All right, everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Martin's World podcast. Guys, before I get into introducing today's guest, I'd like to just remind you that if you want to support the show, if you want to support the fight for cannabis legalization in Ireland, you can do so by signing up to the patreon.com forward slash Martin's World, or you can also make a donation in the form of Bitcoin uh, on a link found over on martinsworld.ie. Um, so guys, today's guest is none other than Karen Gray. Um, Karen Gray is the mother of Murray. Uh, Murray is eight years of age and they live over in Scotland. And Murray suffers with a rare form of epilepsy known as Deuce Syndrome, um, which is uh, medicine resistant. Uh, they've been unable to, to successfully treat his um, seizures up until they got access to cannabis medicines. Now, Karen has been campaigning over in Scotland for over two years uh, and is still campaigning today. Um, only just today, actually, her son, Dean, took to the, to the campaign as well, where he delivered a letter to Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister there in Scotland, um, to call on the government to get the NHS to fund Murray's medicine, as they would for any other medicines. Um, Karen has even gone as far as uh, travelling over to Holland and having to sneak the cannabis oil back into the country and uh, had to give it to her son illegally. Um, so no mother should have to go through that at all. Um, Karen shares me with uh, shares with me that and more stories uh, throughout this interview. So guys, sit back, plays up, and enjoy um, this interview with Karen Gray. Karen, uh, welcome along to Martin's World. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on as a guest. Um, I've been following your story for quite a while now. Um, yours, yours, and your son's story. Um, Marty is, uh, he's six years old now, is he? Or he's eight. He's, he's eight, eight now, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I've been following your story since he's been about six, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I suppose if you wouldn't mind, um, tell me just uh, a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, Murray's uh, journey and, and where it all started for you. Yeah, so it started because Murray started having seizures and um, they got to the stage where they were really, really, really bad and required medication. And um, I start, yeah, I, I'd actually heard about Hannah Deacon, um, her little boy Alfie, and how she'd sourced cannabis oils from the Netherlands. And I thought, wow, you know, cannabis oil, you know, wow, could this actually help? So I started looking into it. Um, Murray got put on medication at the hospital and he'd went into non-convulsive status. So he was in hospital, lying in a bed, you know, not able to to do anything he was basically out of it they were just pumping him full of like rescue medication trying to stop the hundreds of seizures he was having um it was just an absolute nightmare um so if you, you fast forward um obviously I'd, I'd asked for cannabis medicine at the hospital and the only thing they could give us was epidilex which is a cbd isolate mm -hmm. and we were really really lucky that we actually got it it was really really chuffed to know that they helped us to get that and it did help a wee bit. Um, it did reduce the seizure length. So we thought, right, obviously CBD is going to help, but he was still having seizures. You know, he was still, he was in a wheelchair right at this point. Um, he'd put on two stone and weight due to steroids that they'd given him. Um, he had a blood disorder as well because of one of the medications, they needed blood transfusion. So, you know, things weren't really, weren't really great for him. And we were practically living in hospital. Um, so the epidilex helped a bit, but he was still obviously having seizures, chronic diarrhea as well from the epidilex. He was on six mils a day. So that probably explains why he was having the, the diarrhea. Um, 
and then he just it just stopped working so the start of 2019 we were back in hospital he was back in state status um he was getting chip fed he wasn't just wasn't you know wasn't with us at all um and he just got worse and worse like his muscle tone went his breathing started declining and i was begging the hospital to get him this vegelite from Holland because it was now, you know, now legally they could prescribe it because the law changed in the November before. Um, and they said, we can't do it, you know, we can't do it. So I ended up going to Holland and finding a, a doctor, taking on Murray's medical notes, um, finding a doctor that would prescribe it. And I mean, that was just unbelievable. When, when he started writing the prescription, it was just amazing. And we collected the oil, came back, basically smuggled it through <laughs> just ridiculous if you think about it because it's a medicine yeah. um, and started started giving it to him in hospital and he started getting better and better um, and so this was the March 2019 by the May 2019 he was going downhill again as we've seen all the time but this time he was walking about the doctor's office he wasn't lying in the hospital bed so we thought right this, this is actually doing something so we came back and we added in Bedica which is added THC which then took Murray up to a ratio of about 20 to 1, so one part THC to 20 parts CBD. Um, and it was just unbelievable. He just The seizures got less. And the last seizure he had was June 2019. And it's there's no doubt in my mind or anyone else that knows us and knows Murray that it was the cannabis oils that actually stopped the seizures because it was just completely unbelievable. So like, we've been obviously... It's been two, over two years now since he started taking these oils and he's just amazing. He's not in a wheelchair anymore. You know, we don't have to put a protective hat on him. There, there's no diarrhea. You know, he's on like just over two mils a day of this oil. Um, he's at school full time and he's just absolutely loving life. He's just a picture of health, basically. So he's on two mils of the bedrolite as opposed to the six mils of the uh, epidiolex that he would have been yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's obviously a lot more effective. And you said it's a 20 to 1 THC to CBD or was it the other way around? Yeah, it's no. Yeah, that's right. CBD to THC. Yeah. And it's because we mm -hmm. mix them. We just add in a very small amount of the THC to the vegetable, which has a very small amount of THC in it. Yeah. yeah. And, and when you <laughs> smuggled that back the first time, um, was there any issues? Uh, did you encounter any problems at the border with uh, authorities at all? No, because um, the Dutch, the, the Transvaal Pharmacy gave us a letter and the Dutch government will allow you to, to take that oil out of the country. It's only when you come back to the UK mm -hmm. that, um, that they would obviously take off you. But I obviously didn't say anything because I knew they would take it off me and that would be really stupid. So, um, yeah. So I went over three times at the time. Um, was I was actually filming a documentary with the BBC. Um, with another lady with a son that's, you know, really bad epilepsy as well. And the, the, both the children needed oil. So we basically filmed this documentary with BBC, knowing that it was not going to come out for another three months. And we did it to highlight the problems that, that you know, that, that we're all having. Um, unfortunately, it never helped, um, but we didn't know that at the time. We didn't even know that the oil was going to help Murray at the time. But lo and behold, it did. Um, so after that, we managed to get a, somebody that I know who has a daughter with epilepsy as well he gave me the name of a private neurologist that I was so grateful for and she started writing the prescriptions for Murray free of charge she's never charged me a single penny um, and after the documentary came out an importer came forward and offered to bring the oil in as well so and do the home office licenses and everything so it's all completely legal now <laughs> um, 
but the third month when when we went over, um, I think I brought back twenty odd bottles because I knew that this documentary was coming out and it would be more, you know, it'd be difficult the next time. So I basically brought in enough for about three months supply. Um, but really lucky that the importer um, came forward and helped. So it was all all legal. Trouble is, we're still having to pay for it as well. That's another thing. Um, and there's been so much campaigning, you know, we've got lots of MPs on board. There's actually been 100 MPs have signed a letter to Boris Johnson to say, look, these, these kids really need urgent funding for this. You know, like they're all running out of money. We can't fundraise because of COVID um, and we need help. But nothing's happened. Nothing. Nothing it's at all. Not as if there, there's already kids after being approved funding for their cannabis medicines by the NHS, hasn't there? Um, I believe uh, Billy Caldwell would be one of those kids whose medicine is getting funded now. Um, he's uh, yeah. mother no longer has to fund it. Uh, so for yourself right now, um, to fund the medicine, you're relying on the support of the public. I believe there's like GoFundMe yeah. and things like that up there. Yeah, there is, and like um, family as well. Like family are basically helping us out quite a lot. Yeah to pay and for it as well so we are really lucky but i mean there's people out there that aren't as lucky as what we are and their kids really need you know they really need this medicine and they can't afford it so that's wrong as well yeah it's something similar that's happening here in ireland as well where parents are finding themselves in situations where they have to pay for this medicine um some of them are lucky enough to have the irish government uh, you've met vera toomey i believe yeah i think i was at that limerick event uh, you might have been at uh, as well yeah above uh, that organized by leisha maher um but uh, vera has to, to hand out i think it's like an early ten thousand euro every three months and the government mm -hmm. will give it back afterwards but then there's other patients out there um another patient by the name of kenny tynan and he's after having to basically um, hand back his license because he can't afford to get the medicine anymore um, from the Bedrican who he was getting it off of. He, I think he's now gone to, to getting it illegally, whether he's grown his own or somebody else has grown it for him. Um, but that, that's where he's at now because he can't afford to pay it. Um, it for yourself, I suppose, um, one of the other things that I'm aware of is not only is the money an issue for yourselves, but also now Brexit is causing a major problem for yourselves in that uh, the Bedrican medicine should have been cut off actually last January, but they've extended it on compassionate grounds until next January. So yeah. you've like maybe seven months now until this supply is going to be cut off. Um, what, what's been done by um, the, the British government? Um, I think is it Matt Hancock, uh, the, the health secretary over there. Is, is he doing anything at all to assist you um, with, with this uh, doomsday approaching? Yeah, the Department of Health have actually been quite good, um, you know, letting us know what's happening. I have to say they have been really good um, doing that. And we know that they are corresponding with the, the importers that we use, have a pharmacy and a facility in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And the Transvaal have agreed to come over and make the oil in the facility in Scotland. But there's obviously so much red tape and everything. It's not final yet. So we're mm -hmm. still very, very nervous until... You know, we hear that, yes, this is all set up and this is going to happen, but I'm, I'm led to believe that it will happen. Um, it's just not been finalised yet. So, yeah, we just have to wait. So, obviously, uh, this um, we, it's, it's been extended to January, which is good. So, we've still got another few months yeah. and hopefully this facility will be set up by then. Yeah, you would think with uh, GW Pharmaceuticals and, and all that they've been doing over there that the process, say, for Transval should be like it's it's the, pay, the, the path should be already paved is kind of what I'm saying. 
that the yeah. rules and regulations they should have been adhered to by GW and it should be just apply whatever is applied to them. And it shouldn't be taking this long, um, especially when it's something so time sensitive um, in, in that, you know, again, January rolls around. If you're cut off from your supply, if the Transval aren't able to fulfill the delivery of your medicine, like you could be stuck in a very like, geez, I, I couldn't I don't even want to think of what that could be like for you, but uh, it would be absolutely awful. It would be. I mean, yeah, I mean, even for like G GW, they've got licenses to grow the cannabis That's as right. well as obviously extract the oil. Um, you know, the the, far, the company over here, they're not going to be growing it. You know, the, the, they're going to be buying the flour from Bejacan, exactly the same as what the Transvaal do. They buy the flour and then the Transvaal extract the oil. So they're only going to be extracting the oil over here. You know, it, so it should be, it should be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we better hear soon. Because <laughs> none of us are <laughs> to relax until we hear, we hear that it's all set up. <laughs> yeah. And um, can I ask, uh, how was Murray today? Is he off at school at the moment or...? He's at school just now. Murray is none the wiser yeah. to what's going on. Murray has no clue that the what's going on with the government in NHS. I mean, he's he's too young to understand anyway, and yeah. we wouldn't want him to know. We kind of shield him from it mm -hmm. because, you know, we don't want him to know that his doctor's not going to prescribe this medicine that's keeping him well. I mean, how would that affect an eight-year-old? You know, how would that affect anybody? It's You know, it's like, so yeah, he's none the wiser. All he knows is that he gets this medicine and uh, and he's he's happy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I love the the photos you put up uh, when when you update him and, and seeing that a big smile across his face, like it's a uh, it really is glorious to see because you can't help but think uh, that you know it, it's thanks to the cannabis that this boy is able is afforded to have such a quality of life, as you say, you know, yeah. going back to two years ago having multiple seizures, like uh, in each one potentially having the the, the potential to take uh, Murray's life. Um, mm -hmm. the, the now being two years seizure free and the only thing you've been doing different is the giving him the cannabis medicines Sh shame on anybody yeah. who tries to get in between um, a patient and their medicine this silly prohibition of cannabis it's it's never actually stopped the kids getting it on the streets but the kids who need it for the prevention of their seizures that's where the real barrier has been put in place by prohibition it's, it's, yeah absolutely Absolutely. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, obviously, like the government have accepted that, that you know, can, cannabis is medicinal and that's why they changed the law in 2018. And it's, it is like a two tier system. If you, you know, you can go private, but it's very expensive. If you can't afford it, then what, what are you supposed to do? You know, I mean, there's people that are growing their own plants and, and thing, you know, and like, why not just let people do that? Why not? I mean, there's no, they're not harming anybody. They're actually helping themselves. You know, they're healing themselves. So it doesn't make any sense at all why they make this completely change the law. Yeah, I, I really don't understand it either myself, uh, especially in new uh, organisations such as, um, is it Carly's Amnesty, I think it's called, uh, with the CAN card um, that, that was set up. Like if the authorities are able to get into talks with these groups and uh, support this idea that a patient who uses cannabis can't afford to get the private prescription, has to get it legally. So we're going to allow them to have this card. It, it's such a backwards way of doing things. It's, it's like so counterproductive. You're setting up systems in place that support, uh, I suppose, really criminal networks because that's who benefits mostly from, um, from the prohibition. Um, it's the criminals who are selling cannabis uh, and sadly, many of them selling it to patients. Um, I, I don't know if you're if you aware of uh, Jeff Ditchfield and some of the work that he would have done um, highlighting 
some of the dangers there um, where patients were going out paying thousands of pounds and they were getting bottles of olive oil. And, and that was probably some of the better ones. There was other ones where they were getting more dangerous uh, bottles of oil. Um, but absolutely horrible that not much has really changed in, what is it, three years now since uh, medical cannabis has been allowed in the UK, 2018, I believe it was, and nothing has changed really. I think your mic uh, might have just moved there. Uh, I'm not too sure. Oh, is that better? Yeah, that's better. It sounded yeah. like you were on the water there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, things have to change. It's just, it's just silly. It's really just absolutely silly, isn't it? Yeah. So, does it take much out of your time? Um, like your campaigning. I see you doing an awful lot of campaigning. You dedicated a lot of time. Um, how much of your time, I'd say, in, in a week, would you say that you're messaging, you know, the, the, the health secretaries, messaging the guys in the Transvaal, trying to secure this? Does this eat up a lot of your time? It does eat up a lot of time, yeah, and especially in your mind as well, because you're constantly thinking about it. Like, although we're doing all stuff that I'm doing, like, for instance, the school, Murray School can't give him his three o'clock dose of medicine. Okay. Um, and I've had to put appeals through for that. It's actually with the Scottish Ombudsman just now, like the whole situation is now with the Scottish Ombudsman because it's just silly. I mean, for, for you know, he has a legal private prescription yeah. and he requires this medicine at certain times. And the, you know, the school are just not allowed to give it to him. Jeez, and it's just, it. it's all sort of like everybody's blaming each other. Mm. So at the moment it's come down to this panel, Rescas, down south that um, have said that Murray should come off the oil and go back on epidiolics that his neurologist put Murray's case to but we, we don't think he actually gave Reskos the whole story and he's ended up resigning from Murray's care I mean, he's still working obviously but just not looking after Murray anymore because of the pressure of the situation and it just you know it infuriates you because you know it may be you may be under pressure by all this but we are we're the ones that are having to fund all this money and we haven't got a choice but to continue, you know, giving Murray this oil because we're too scared not to. But after seeing what he was like before, you know, we would never want to, to, um, get him to ever suffer like that again. And, and he won't if he keeps getting this oil. And if, if I, I don't know my cross and wires, but I can remember when uh, that uh, was released, when Murray was dropped by his uh, consultant. But was that the same? Was that yourself who had uh, the consultant? Uh, he was giving out because you were emailing him too much um, or something. He was getting too many messages from you. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. emailing him too much. I mean, I really yeah. wasn't. And in anything, I've always maintained, a, tried to maintain a good relationship with mm. our trust here um, and with the neuro, you know, with all the neurologists as well, because I don't want to argue with them. I just yeah. want what's fair. Exactly. Um, yeah. And the trust here have been really good. There's there's one of the, the ladies working for the trust. I mean, she always emails me back. She's actually, you know, really nice in her mm -hmm. in her emails the trouble is that she just can't help she says but yeah it's really really infuriating but no I wasn't emailing him all the time I mean that was just yeah, nonsense I, I thought that was rather cheeky of him as well to be saying such a thing about a patient I think that went I think it's just like an on the line of uh breaching patient uh confidentiality you know kind of oh this woman is messaging me way too much it's like you're, you're incredibly worried your, your son's life is on the line like forgive me if I send you like what you feel like is too many emails but like what, what you're doing is you're, you're fighting for your, your son's right to live a high quality life 
And, and that's mm -hmm. like the, the cannabis is not curing him of anything. It's just, it's just affording him a much better quality of life. Although two years are free would sound <laughs> rather cured to me. It's as it's, it's close to be as, uh, as it can be, I'd imagine, for a person suffering with seizures to go two years without having one. That's a, quite Yay. an achievement. Um, exactly. It's really backwards <laughs> of him to, to come out and say that. And you know, rather than talking about maybe use the same air that came out to express this uh, and express frustration as to why his hands are tied you know, frustration to the medical profession that the people out there who are keeping these barriers in place rather than mm -hmm. expressing frustration towards a mother who's only the only thing she's doing is fighting for her son's life yeah. I, I i really don't understand it it's 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 kind of up there with recently we've seen a lot of the authorities coming out giving warnings as to you know the dangers of kids consuming cannabis edibles well, and, and why aren't they using the same breath to give that warning to the government and say, hey, there's criminals out there selling cannabis edibles to kids, put regulations in place because uh, we can apply an age limit if we regulate it. And it'll also yeah. reduce the stigma then for the patients out there who are fighting for this medicine too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so backwards, like the, the, the way in which these people are they're, they're working. They're working just in, in spheres of ignorance. None, none of them want to communicate with each other. Like really, if, yep. if we were to remove these prohibition, it would uh, help uh, alleviate a lot of the problems there in the medical field and also in the justice uh, field as well. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like the amount of people being taken to court. I've got a friend, and he's constantly getting caught. You know, constantly getting caught with his medicine yeah. and um, having to go up to court. And it's just, you know, he's 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 like GP, and his doctors know that he's using cannabis and it's absolutely helping him he's got proof medical proof um but he still gets arrested and taken to court and he, it usually gets flung out and well not flung out but you know they they don't charge him they accept it and but it's just a waste of time it's a waste of public funds you know having to take him to court and it's a waste of time for him yeah you know and it's stressful as well so it's yeah it's completely backwards uh, it really just... is and murray's medicine costs is a 1300 uh, pound a month yeah, yeah. And I, I think the average cost of a prisoner in the UK, if, if memory serves correct, it's it's over £30,000 a year. So it, if Murray was say, old enough to get caught with cannabis, the state would have no problem of paying £30,000 to lock him up for his cannabis use. But they're not willing to pay, what is it, 13 or £14,000 to supply him with a medicine that would give the same medicine that they would lock him up for. Um, Hello. It, you know, it really goes to the show like that they're willing to spend £30,000 to lock a person up for cannabis use for a year and they're not willing to pay £15,000 for a patient um, to, to get access to a medicine. These yeah, I know I did society. a cost analysis. I know I did a cost analysis over a year and it would have cost the NHS £96,000. It did cost the NHS £96,000 and that's public money. Um to keep Murray in hospital, to give him all the care, to give him all the medicine, you know, to help him. And it didn't actually help. It was the cannabis that helped. And now he's not in hospital and we're not spending, 90, you know, the NHS isn't spending £96,000 a year. So it just doesn't make any sense at all that they won't pay. It's like 16000 a year or something for this medicine. Yeah, and um, as opposed to the 96000 it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, no, that, that's very true. Um, I, I believe uh, Vera Toomey brought that point up as well before when she was fighting for the reimbursement. Um, she, she talked about the number of times she had to call for an ambulance to come out to the house and uh, to, to bring them to the hospital and stuff. And that all costs money. And uh, she was like, we, we don't have to do this anymore. 
um, two, two years now of that's just over 180,000 pounds. So you're, you're after saving the NHS um, and you're, you're paying for, for that privilege for them. It's after costing you say 30,000 pounds now to, to prevent the cost of 180,000 pounds. Sh- yeah. shame. <laughs> shame on these people like really um I, I just don't understand how they're able to sleep at night doing the things they do like we, we've ministers over here um our minister in charge of our national uh drugs policy um he's mm-hmm. responsibility for it he was questioned uh by gino kenny the td here from uh, people yeah. for profit about the possibility of uh, legalizing cannabis because there's going to be a bill before the irish government later this year and Frank Fian re- responded by saying, I'll absolutely not be legalizing cannabis and I won't decriminalize it either. Um, we're going to be taking a health-led approach to cannabis use in our society. And his health-led approach includes criminalizing people and preventing access to patients. It's, it's, it's just so silly. <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> and, and what way are things over there right now um, for yourselves with the, the campaign? Uh, I know with um, you're part of the End Our Pain camp, uh, group. Uh, yeah. And is there, any, um, is there any events coming up? Is there any protests planned for yourselves uh, over the summer months? There's not at the moment. Um, we're still waiting for Boris Johnson to respond regarding the letter that was sent, signed by 100 MPs. And um, yeah, if we don't have any luck with that, then we obviously will be doing something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure yet though. Um, but we've obviously got like an APPG over here um, for medical cannabis on prescription. So that's like a working group of MPs as well. And they are sort of pushing for this as well. Yeah. It's just infuriating that, you know, we've got all these MPs on board and nothing's happened. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some, some of the things we've been told here is that it's, um, while the MPs are uh, over here for us, it's TDs, um, while they appear to be the ones who have the power, that quite often or not, it's actually public servants um, who are not elected and who retain their role, you know, as the governments change, um, that these people are actually the real ones um, holding up. Now, I don't know if that's the same over in the UK, but over here in Ireland, we've been told this anyway that even if our health minister wanted to legalize cannabis for patients, that he wouldn't be able to do it without the assistance of the public servants underneath him. Um, and that these people are uncooperative or something like that, as they're saying. I think that's just a bit of uh, passing the yeah. book. It's, it's not me. It's it him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's like, well, have you got the power or of the, you know, the people working under you, do they hold all the power, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like who's the one who's the one making decisions here yeah yeah it's, it's really exactly. backwards um and i suppose um how are you at, at fixed at the moment now with um with the funds for murray's medicine is there um are, are you okay for like the next two months you know or is is there a worry you know that next month now geez uh my, i think my family is not able to go on to be, like do you ever find yourself in that situation were you really I worry about yeah i worry about it all the time murray's dad actually um is a software engineer yeah. and he created an app um called wi-fi blocker <laughs> and it, um, it, it actually drives me mad because he sat for so many months and months doing this you know on his computer so anyway he made this app and um, that's basically what is paying for the majority of murray's medicine each month the sales yeah. of this app but that's going to dry up you know yeah. that's that's going to dry up at some point and that's when we're, we're going to start to really worry and struggle 
Um, but at the moment, we're okay, thankfully. And obviously, we've got family helping. So yeah. I think nobody wants to see Murray go back to how he was. So, mm. And I think it's yeah. important just for any parents out there listening, you know, that a Wi-Fi blocker app is quite a good tool to have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do check it out. <laughs> Just plug in his app for all. Yeah, yeah. No, I have two kids myself, so I could definitely see the benefits of having a Wi-Fi blocker app. It's like, is your room cleaned? I know I'm not turning off that app now. Exactly. We turn it off for money, actually. When it's tea time, or you just wouldn't go off his iPad, so we turn it off, and it's like, oh, the server must have stopped. Oh, well, I'll come on after tea. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm good there that um that you're in a good place now anyway, and that there's no um real uh, at least not not in any real financial worries there right now, um and long may that continue, um as well I suppose is there anything out there that people can do that are listening to to support you outside of making donations you know is there um is it letters to the Ma Hancock do do these help uh, your situation would you encourage people to do those? To be honest. I don't think so. I don't think no. anything like that's going to help. What, what I should actually say is that me and three other parents have set up a charity called mm -hmm. Intractable. And it's what we're what we're trying to do um, is raise funds to basically pay for all these private prescriptions for like the children first, you know, um, and then everybody else, depending on how much funding we get. So at the moment we are doing that. We've just about got our charity status. Um, and then we're going to start sort of hitting big companies and things to try and get um, quite a lot of funding so that we can pay for them to take some relief. Because, I mean, we've got we've got parents over here that are, that are you know, they're, they're not they're, they're not able to fundraise and they cannot afford to pay for this medicine. And there, there's one child that's went, he's went really, really downhill because they've run out of money and it's it's oh, it's horrible to see. So mm. we decided to start this charity so that we could help parents. Mm you know, fund this medicine so they don't have that extra stress because it's stressful looking after a child with epilepsy or any disability. And then you've got this added sort of financial stress on top of it. Yeah. Um, that That's why we started the charity, basically. We want to alleviate that, that stress from people. And, and we've just got to hope that when we, you know, that we do get the funds and we, we are able to, to do this. So we're just going to try. Yeah, and and for memory serves correct, is there one of the parents with the groups um, who actually had to? I just know was it they had to sell their house um, in order to, yeah. to continue funding? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. One of the sorry, I'm just plugging in my portable there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah one of the um, yeah one of the parents had to sell their house to um, yeah oh. to continue to afford the oil. I think they are paying over two thousand pound a month. Jeez. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, their daughter, they've tried changing oils and stuff, and it's the same old story, which we're seeing quite a lot, that yeah. the, the children just not good enough, you know, not as good as the, the, the Dutch oils that they're on. And, you and know, I suppose it's that's something it's... you could be looking at too soon. Uh, I don't know if that's something that maybe the Transvaal guys talk to, Richie, but as uh, Murray's eight years, of old, eight years of age, you know, he could go through a bit of a growth spurt in the next couple of years. And as he gets bigger, his dosage requirement would go up as well to coincide with the, the growth of his body too. So the cost of your medicine then would go up with that dosage too. I think that's something that Vera talked about too with uh, Ava. As Ava mm -hmm. went from being like kind of four or five up to being six or seven, um, they noticed that she was requiring a little bit more of a dosage there, which means the, the cost of the medicine then was going up as a result. 
Um, yeah. Is, is that something that has happened to yourselves uh, yet? Have you seen uh, Murray's dosage having to, to go up uh, in accordance with his weight going up? Yeah, no. And because when Murray first started on the oils, he was still really overweight due to the bloating okay. on with the steroids. So Murray yeah. was 30 kilograms at the time. At the, at presently, Murray's about 28 and a half kilograms. So he's still not at the same weight as what he was when we started. So we think that's why he's not needed extra oil because his, yeah. his weight has come down, you know, his weight, he's lost weight. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but he's a healthy weight, I should say as well. <laughs> he's now not a very healthy weight, yeah. <laughs> a normal weight. <laughs> yeah, but that, that is something that, that will happen, you know, that we're just going to have to, to keep an eye on him. We're, we're like obviously well aware of it. I do check his weight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, your charity, the uh, in Intractable, it's called. Um, is that uh, online now at the moment uh, on it social media online. on its website? Yeah, it's there's it's on we're on Twitter and we're on Facebook as well. Site. Um, we need to get we need to raise five thousand pounds to it. We're a charitable company, so we're a limited charitable company at the moment. And to get charity status and an actual charity number, we need to have five thousand pounds. And we're literally £700 away from getting this £500 and then we can apply for the charity status and then we can apply, once we've got that, the charity number, you know, we can apply to so many different things to get funding. Yeah. So that's, that's where we're at at the moment with, with that. But it's just been taking quite a bit to get it set up and due to COVID and trying to get bank accounts, like everything's just so much harder mm -hmm. at the moment because of COVID. But um but, but we're getting there, so it's good. And we've got our bank account set, sort of set up finally. That was a, a rigmarole trying to get that. <laughs> I'm delighted to hear this. It sounds like a great charity, and I, I hope people like uh, stick, stick their hands deep into their pockets and, and get behind you. Um, and, and hopefully, I hope it's a service that uh, goes out of existence uh, in, in certain, if you get me, um, that the NHS actually step in and do what they're supposed to be doing so that your charity then can kind of say, well, we don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, that I know, exactly. Amazing. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, we're just, yeah, we're just, yeah, we're just going to plow ahead with it and see what happens. And it, I, I suppose in a way it is kind of shaming the government, isn't it? It that is, poor yeah. parents that are already trying to fund for their children, look after their children, you know, work, do everything else, um, are actually having to create a, a company and a charity to raise funds you know <laughs> yeah just for a simple just medicine given us, really. yeah mm -hmm. and um so, I, you encountered some problems yourself uh before on social media when raising awareness uh, about murray and uh, what you're going through and stuff uh with, with facebook removing posts and things like that um is that i suppose that is problematic um has that caused you um much upset i suppose They delete something and you, you disagree with it and nine out of ten times they put it back because they obviously they, they, they've got no right to take anything like that down because it's the truth mm -hmm. you know and it's highlighting things so yeah um the gofundme i think various people's gofundme pages were taken down and because you had the word cannabis in it um and we've all had to sort of alter it you know but it's just crazy because it's legal cannabis yeah. prescriptions you know it's legal so they haven't actually got any right to take it down because we're not doing anything unlawful it's all legal and and that was GoFundMe actually took it down the, the gofundme themselves it was yeah but to yeah. be fair they've actually been really good they did reinstate it i think they've done it to me yeah. a couple of times and they have reinstated it and they have worked with me and emailed me and got it 
sorted quite quickly. So, yeah. It's still problematic that you encounter this uh, at all, um, just because, you know, the, the medicine you use is also the same thing that the media love to demonize so much. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. Again, you know, um, th- thanks very much for taking the time, uh, Karen, to, to come and speak with me today. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I can't help, but, uh, you know, just be overly frustrated but that by the level of ignorance that still exists out there. Um Sorry, sorry I, I think we were breaking up there. Uh, the connection was going bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. And we've just got to hope that things change. But I think with everybody campaigning over here, there's like, um, we the undersigned, we've got Seed the Future, there's a guy mm-hmm. called Outlaw. You know, everybody's doing lots of things to try and challenge the law because That's the right. law is wrong. The law is wrong. It's wrong. So, yeah, hopefully good things start to happen. Obviously, with COVID, that's just kind of messed up everything because obviously there's a pandemic and just 100 percent has been put into that. But let's yeah. hope as we sort of come out of this pandemic that good things are going to happen and, you know, things will change. Yeah, fingers crossed anyway, yeah. Well, Karen, thanks very much. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to be able to get down and uh, sit and talk with you today. Um, if you have any further updates in the future, if you'd ever like to come back on, um, I would more than happily have you on here. Um, I would happily try to support your campaign in any way possible. Um, so if there's anything at all I can do to help, you know where to find me. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. It's lovely talking to you as well. <laughs> and there you go, guys. That was Karen Gray, a cannabis activist for Murray Gray, her son, eight-year-old, uh, who suffers with epilepsy in Scotland. Um, again, uh, thanks very much to Karen for taking the time out of her day to come and uh, speak with me. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and uh, listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, Apologies, guys, for a few edits that had to be made there because of um, some technical difficulties we encountered during the interview. Um, There was a few little hiccups there with the Wi-Fi along the way. But um, again, you know, powerful stuff there from Karen. And hopefully very soon, you know, the battle that she's been fighting for so long will come to an end and uh, Murray will be given the rightful proper access to cannabis that he deserves would have been covered by the NHS and the family being able to focus on being a family again. Um, so guys, thanks very much for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. I'll be back with more episodes uh, very soon. So stay blazed out there, guys. Keep it lit. Much love. Peace.